Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Hello again. Hey, uh, glad you're here with us. And uh, we're in uh, our second uh, week of this new series, Mountains. We're looking at some of the significant events that took place on mountains in Israel. And whenever God sends somebody to a mountain, something big is about to happen. God uses your mountain experiences in your life and my life to do big things in us and through us. Now, last week, we looked at the story of Abraham on Mount Moriah. Now, Mount Moriah is where modern day, the modern day Temple Mount is located, where at one point the Jewish people had their, their temple on the Temple Mount, which was destroyed in 70 AD. And then later on, uh, the Muslims came in and they built the Dome of the Rock on this very spot that God tested Abraham by asking him to sacrifice his child of promise, Isaac. And in that story that we looked at last week, we discovered three um, aspects of our mountain experiences that really permeate this whole series. So everything we're looking at, these three aspects are mixed in to to underlying the story. And number one is this, is that God uses our mountain experiences to grow us. Hey, wherever you're sitting right now, standing, watching, whatever you're doing, say grow us, say grow us. God uses our mountain experiences to grow us. He'll use them to grow us closer to himself, to also to grow us in our faith. Also, God uses our mountain experiences to show us, to show us a couple things, to show us who he is, that we can learn who he is, what his character is, that he can be trusted, that he will take care of us, that he will provide for us. But then also, God uses our mountain experiences to show us his plan, to reveal to us what's next for us, what's in store for us, to show us his plan for our lives and his direction for our lives. Now today, God is taking us to the mountain of Horeb in Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. So you can go in your Bibles or version Bible app to Exodus 3, and we're also going to be in Exodus 4. I want to pick up this amazing story. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through the bush, that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Now, if Mount Moriah is the most famous uh, mountain in Israel, then Mount Horeb is the second most famous mountain in Israel. We have the story we're looking at where Moses is, is before God with this burning bush. But also you might, some of the other stories, later on, the Israelites will be back at Mount Horeb where Moses receives the Ten Commandments. And actually another story, the Israelites are down below and they've created this golden idol in the form of a calf to worship God and, and, and that just provoked God's wrath. Also at Mount Horeb, God had commanded Moses to strike a rock to get, uh, to get water from that wa- rock for that the people needed. And then also Elijah the prophet fled to Mount Horeb to get away from the uh, evil Jezebel's wrath. And so this mountain is a famous mountain in the Bible and scriptures. It's also known as Mount Sinai. So God here appears to Moses in a burning bush. 
And you might know some of this story. God tells Moses to do what? To take off his what, right? You might know this. Take off his sandals. You're standing on holy ground. And God tells Moses, Moses, I've seen the misery of my people. I have heard their cries. I've seen the suffering. And so then God says to Moses, here's my plan, Moses, to to deal with that. I want you to go, Exodus chapter 3, verse 10, I want you to go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now, most of us are probably familiar with Moses on some level. Whether we know the stories from church or whether we've watched the Ten Commandments or seen the Prince of Egypt, we know some of the story of Moses. We know on some level that he was a man of faith. Hebrews 11 clearly tells us that. He he stands up to Pharaoh and he leads the Israelites to the promised land. He parts the Red Sea. He receives the Ten Commandments. He speaks face to face with God. All those things are true. He was a hero. He was mighty in faith. But before Moses was this stalwart of faith, when God said to Moses, Moses, I've got a big plan. I've got a big job for you to do. Moses didn't want any part of it. You see, Moses had a few objections to God's plan. For starters, he didn't want to mess around with Pharaoh, who he had ran from 40 years prior. Also, Moses couldn't possibly imagine how the people of Israel would actually choose to follow him. After all, he grew up in Pharaoh's home, and almost like it wasn't, he wasn't one of them, and, and he was also a murderer. And finally, Moses did not have the ability to talk or communicate well. He just didn't talk well. He didn't communicate well. So how would people even follow him and understand him? And, and how would he communicate God's plan? In other words, Moses thought God's plan was a disaster. That maybe God should be looking for somebody else. In other words, God, I'm not your guy. Go look elsewhere. And I just wonder, how many times have we said the same thing to God ourselves? God, I'm not your person. I'm not your guy. I'm not your gal. God, use somebody else. Don't use me, God. God, I don't have what it takes. Look elsewhere. Which brings us to Exodus chapter 4. Starting in verse 1, it says, Moses answered God, what if, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? You see, Moses in this moment that God came before him on this mountain, Moses was full of doubt. Moses was full of fear. And at some point, you and I will have to confront our doubt. We will have to confront our fear if we're going to fulfill God's purposes and God's call in our life. We'll have to confront that fear and that doubt. Now, I suppose his fear and his doubt makes sense, at least on a human level. After all, there was nothing in Moses' resume to suggest that he could be this mighty, great leader, that he would be God's hand-picked deliverer. In fact, the last time we see Moses in Egypt, uh, we, we see him in Egypt, and he was there. Uh, he had just killed a man, and he was burying him in the sand. And now he's been hiding in the desert for 40 years. This is not the guy you would think would be a great hero. It doesn't make sense on a human level. So he says to God, what if? I want everybody right where you're at, say, what if? What if? Say it, say it. If you haven't said it yet, say it. 
What if? Isn't it fascinating how you and I like to bargain with God? Think about that. Lord, what if? What if I do speak up at the office and I, and I speak for you and I represent you? What if I get in trouble? Then God, what are you going to do? What if I do choose to volunteer and you know, serve at church? Maybe when we open the doors again and we serve, what if I volunteer in LP kids or with LP students and I get involved and turns out the kids, you know, I don't relate or they're brats or I can't connect. Can I get out of it, God? And God, how about this whole tithing my money thing? What if I give and then I can't make my car payment? What are you going to do, God? Are you going to take care of that for me? Lord, what if I take my vacation time and I decide to go on a mission trip? What if I get sick or get a disease or something bad happens to me? Then what, God? What if I share my faith? And now that has caused my neighbor to be hostile towards me and I have to live next to him. What then, God? I think about the Pepsonies who are just up here on the stage with me. Can you imagine if they had allowed what ifs to dominate their thinking? They wouldn't be leaving next week to Kenya if that would have been the case. You see, Moses had the same problem that all of us have. He understood exactly what God wanted him to do. He wanted him to lead his people out of Egypt. He understood that it, this wasn't a lack of knowledge for Moses. He knew what God wanted. Moses' problem or problems revolved around his doubts and his fears Maybe some inadequacy, a lack of faith, a lack of trust, doubting himself and on some level doubting God and God's plan. God, something's going to go wrong here. I don't know what it is, God, but something's going to go wrong. Pharaoh might toss me out, you know, to the crocs. The, the, the Israelites, my brothers and sisters, they're not going to trust me. After all, I grew up in Pharaoh's home, and then I killed somebody, and then I've been living in the desert for 40 years. People are going to think, they're not going to believe that I saw you or talked to you. They're going to think I'm just some rambling old person from the desert. You see, Moses just kept what ifing, what ifing. And like we mentioned last week, Moses was looking for assurances before he proceeded. He wanted to know if everything was going to work out in the end. So he's there at the burning bush and he's what ifing God. I think you and I do the same thing, don't we? That you and I, we find ourselves qualifying our obedience with God with a demand that God would guarantee us our success. Or at least that God would guarantee us a, an easier, easier road. That, that, that God would let us know, okay, here's where the potholes are going to be. Here's the challenges. Here's the issues. I, I, I want to see what's coming before uh, it gets here, God, because I want to plan accordingly. After all, God, isn't it wise to, to be prepared and to plan ahead? God, you owe that to me. See, that's why you and I find ourselves hesitating. That's why we hesitate to obey God, to trust God. We need our what ifs solved and resolved. Well, it's interesting. God doesn't really bother to answer Moses' what if question. You see what God calls us to do. When God calls us to do something, when he's reaching out to you, reaching out to me, and he's calling us, the what ifs aren't what truly matters. They're not the real issue. See, the real issue for God is whether or not 
we will obey. And so it goes on in Exodus chapter 4, verse 2, and it says this, The Lord said to Moses, What is in your hand? A staff or a stick, he replied. And the Lord said, Throw it on the ground. In other words, I'm going to find out, Moses, if you will trust me. I know you've been what-ifing me, but I want to find out, will you trust me? Will you obey me rather than trying to negotiate with me? Because as long as you and I are trying to what-if God, we're not obeying. We're just trying to negotiate, maybe even buy time. You see, to trust and obey means we say, God, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready, Lord. Now you can go ahead and work out the details. Versus when we're negotiating with God, we're saying, God, can you work out all the details first and let me know that everything's okay and let me know the details? Then God, I'll obey. Exodus chapter four, verse three. Moses threw it on the ground. So he decides to obey. And when he does that, something amazing happens. It says the, here in scriptures that his, his stick became a snake. And notice what Moses did. He ran from it. In other words, he was afraid. I don't know about you, but I'd be afraid as well. And then the Lord said this, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. See, God doesn't pause and say, hey, I'm sorry to hear you're afraid. Let's talk about your fears. God just keeps going on. He says, first, I want you to throw it down. Moses is afraid. It's this giant snake. I mean, snake. I mean, he didn't have a small little staff. This is a shepherd's staff. It's a large staff. I can't imagine God shrunk it to a tiny snake. So here you have this large, giant snake. And God says, I know you're afraid, Moses. I know you've ran from this, but I want you to take it by the tail. And I can imagine Moses walking back to this snake and, you know, cautiously reaching out to try to grab the tail with some serious trepidation. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. You see, God was essentially saying to Moses, I wanna use you. I really do, Moses. And if you're going to fulfill the calling that I have on your life, I need you to pick it up. I need you to overcome that fear. I need you to confront that fear. And when Moses confronts his fear and overcomes his fear and picks up that snake by the tail, the Bible tells us that the snake became a stick again. Don't miss the power of this. That stick that was just a common stick. It was just an ordinary stick. That stick that was so average, that specific stick, when he took what he had and he gave it to God and he laid it down, suddenly that stick became sensational. Suddenly it became supernatural. Suddenly it could do what it could never have done while it was still in Moses' hand. But when he chose to obey and he let go of that stick, God was able to begin to use Moses to fulfill his purposes. You see, all God needs is a stick to do the sensational, to do the miraculous, the sensational to fulfill his purposes. We see that throughout scripture. 
Later when the Israelites are, are trapped at the Red Sea, the army, Pharaoh's army is coming after him and, and God says to Moses, take your stick and raise it above your arms. And when he does that, the Red Sea parts and the Israelites go through because sometimes all God needs is a stick. And when they're at the bitter waters of Marah and the people are literally thirsting to death, God says, Moses, get a stick and touch it to the water and it will become sweet because sometimes all God needs is a stick. And while they were building later on, building a school of prophets and, and one of the men was swinging an ax and the ax head flew off the ax and it landed in the Jordan River. And God said to the prophet, take a stick and touch the, the river. And when that prophet took that stick and touched the river, the scriptures tell us, I like how the King James Version says it. It says this, the ax head swam. I, I can't even imagine what that looks like. But the ax head swam because sometimes all God needs is a stick. And when God wanted to redeem the world, to save the world, he let his son die on two sticks. Because sometimes all God needs is a stick. Now, for you, for the ones who think, you know what, God? I don't have what it takes. God, I don't know that I'm one who could be used by you. God, I don't know if I can measure up. God, I don't know if I have what it takes. God, all that he needs is your stick. And he'll turn that into the sensational to accomplish his purposes in you and through you. I think of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, which says, God purposefully chose what the world considers nonsense. The story of Moses. He killed someone. He's in the desert going and using, being used by God. That's nonsense. God chose that in order to shame the wise. And God chose what the world considers weak in order to shame the powerful. See, all God needs is the common, ordinary, simple shepherd's hook or shepherd's stick. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what your stick is. But man, how about we quit saying I'm inadequate? Quit saying you're inadequate. Quit saying you're not smart enough. Quit saying you can't do it. Quit saying that's too big and I can't accomplish that or I'm too small. Quit saying the obstacles are too large. The obstacles are too great. Quit saying uh, you're not qualified. All God needs is your stick. God is calling you to move past your what ifs and to trust and to obey and to say this, yes, Lord, yes. Say that wherever you're at right now. Say, yes, Lord, yes. That's what God's called us to. Exodus chapter four, verse five. This said the Lord is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of the fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Are you catching it? See, God's saying to Moses, all you need to do is trust and obey. Give God your stick. God's going to work all those details out down the road. He'll take care of the rest. 
So let's fast forward here in the story. Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, God, the one true God has spoken to me to tell you, God has said to you, Pharaoh, let my people go, right? Maybe you've heard that before, let my people go. Pharaoh's like, why in the world would I let all my slaves go? And who's this God anyway that you're talking to? Why would I listen to him? So God had told Moses and his brother Aaron back in Exodus 7, they had told them to take Aaron's stick and throw it down before Pharaoh and that stick would become a snake. Now, I got to think here, as Aaron heard this from God, he was probably freaking out when he heard it. And Moses, I can imagine saying, yo, yo, bro, don't worry about it. I've already done this whole snake and stick thing. It works out. Trust me, trust and obey God. It'll work out, right? And so I know how it works, bro. It will work out. Trust God. So they're now standing before Pharaoh and perhaps hundreds, maybe thousands of others. And God takes that ordinary, common, average stick and performs the supernatural, the sensational. It becomes a snake. Now, Pharaoh yawns at this and calls in his magicians. He's like, my guys can do that. Some commentaries tell us that the magicians had snakes that were encapsulated in some type of material and that they would take those snakes and they would throw them to the ground. And when they threw them to the ground, that material would break apart and the snakes would come out. Now they didn't do a real miracle like God did through Moses and Aaron. All they had was this trickery. All they had was this deception, this sleight of hand. But then scripture tells us Aaron's stick, which is now a snake, began to eat all those other snakes. I mean, that's an incredible thought. I mean, I don't think this is a story where it began to eat the snakes and it took hours and hours and everyone just kind of sat around and watched the snake eating other snakes. I picture this, at least I do, that this was happening rather quickly. That this was literally that snake go and just gobble up that snake, gobble up that snake, gobble up that snake. And everybody's watching is just this miracle, this miraculous is happening. Aaron's rod that had become a snake, a snake, excuse me. It was swallowing up their trickery, their deception, and their lies. Now, this causes me to think about something scripture says. It says, tells us this. That in the end, that every person on planet earth who lived in the past, who lives now, who one day lived, everyone, one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That is coming. That is happening. No matter what someone thinks or believes or about God, about religion, about faith, there comes a point when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess it's Jesus who is Lord. In other words, Jesus is the one who will swallow up the false religions, the false prophets. Jesus will swallow up the false doctrines and and the false teachings. He's going to swallow up all the deceptions, all the lies, all the trickery from all time. Now, you and I, we might have known this story of the snakes being swallowed up. Moses didn't know this back on Mount Horeb. He didn't know exactly what God was going to do, exactly what God had planned. On the mountain back at Horeb, the only issue was, Moses, will you give your stick to God 
and let him do the sensational, a mighty work through you because you obey and you trust. The only issue is, will I obey God? Once the answer was yes, the miracles kicked in. The provision kicked in. Why? Because once Moses said yes, God demonstrated his faithfulness to follow through. Remember, God had said, I've heard the cries of my people. I've seen their oppression and I have come to save them. Moses, will you obey? Listen, when God calls us to obey, what is that going to look like for you? Will you obey? See, I imagine it might happen in different ways. There might be times when you're reading the word of God and you clearly hear what God's calling you to do. The question is, will you obey? God might call you through a sermon and you're listening, you're sensing the voice of God speaking to you very clearly. The question is, will you obey? God might call to you through your quiet time. Will you obey? Maybe you're reading a book or reading something online or listening to a podcast and you sense God speaking to you through it. Will you obey? Or perhaps a spouse or a friend or a child or even somebody you consider an enemy. Perhaps they speak something you didn't want to hear, but you know God is speaking through them. Will you obey? Will you follow through and obey? Jesus said this in John 14, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. He also said, Jesus also said, whoever loves me will keep my word. Listen, when we try to negotiate with God, when we try to what if God, when we want to make sure that everything's going to work out before we say yes to God, we miss out on an opportunity to express our love to God. We miss out on growing in our faith. We miss out on growing closer to God. We miss out on having our, our faith muscles strengthened. We miss out on turning our stick into a snake and watching God do the sensational. Why would you ever want to miss out on that? Why would you ever want to lose out on that? God is saying to you and I, and he says it to us constantly, go first, go first, say yes, Lord, yes, and then watch what I do. And when you and I dare to say yes to God, even if it hurts, even if it might cramp our lifestyle, even when it means perhaps changing the way we think or changing the way we act or talk or dress or the places we go or the people we hang with, when we dare to say to God, Lord God, I'll get involved. Lord God, I'll speak up. I'll speak into it. Lord God, I'll take this bold step. God, Lord God, I will stop sitting on the sidelines and stop staying in the desert and I will enter in to, to your purposes for my life. Lord, here I am. Send me. And when we do that, the miracles begin to kick in. The provision of God kicks in. The sensational begins to occur. God's plans in our life begin to be revealed. God's purposes begin to take shape for us. Listen, Moses was happy living in the desert, but God had bigger plans for him because it was on the mountain of Horeb that God told him and Moses discovered God had something huge for him. 
It's on Mount Horeb that you and I discover when God is calling us to something, when God has something for you to do or I to do or to fulfill, when he has a purpose for us, when he has an assignment for us, and you might have your what ifs, but God wants to know, will you obey? Will you trust? Will you give him your stick? And if we will take our stick and obey God and throw it to the ground, God will turn it into a snake and something special will occur. God will turn it into something special. And God will do the supernatural, the supernatural, the sensational, the spectacular. Our stick becomes the sign of God's activity in our life. So what is your stick? What is your stick that God is asking you to lay down so he can turn it into the sensational? Man, church... I exhort you today, lay it down, trust and obey. Lay it down and let God transform. Lay it down and let God change what he, uh, change you. Lay it down and let God use you to change your life and the life of others. What is your stick? Will you lay it down? Let's pray about that before God right now. I'm gonna ask everybody, no matter where you're at, how you're watching this or listening to this, if you're able to, would you close your eyes and let's pray. Heavenly Father, almighty God, we come before you now. God, we thank you that you use the mountains in our life to grow us, to show us your plans, to show us who you are. And God, you're asking us today on this mountain to grow us to take our stick and to trust you and to obey you. So God, would you hear our prayers as we call out to you now? And I want to invite every single person, if you're willing to pray these words with me, that you are, you're going to be asking God to use you and to take what you have and to use it for his glory and that you'll obey him. So if you're willing to pray that prayer, just pray these words with me. You can do them in your spirit. You can do them, you know, audibly, however you would like, but just pray something like this. Pray this. Say, God, use me. Here's my stick. It's common, it's ordinary, God, it's average, but I relinquish it to you. God, I take my fingerprints off of it. God, I put it in your hands for you to do as you see fit. God, my answer to you is yes. Yes, Lord, yes. I say yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. Here's my stick. I lay it before you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God, hear each and every single one of these prayers. And then God, you begin to do the miraculous, the sensational, the supernatural. So that all glory goes to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.